All right. Happy Sabbath. Are you guys happy to be in the house of the Lord? Happy Sabbath to you watching online as well. We're so glad that you've tuned in and that you are picking up our broadcast as we are trying to share God's last day message to the world. Amen? Would you guys pray with me? Loving Father in heaven, Lord, we humbly come before your throne of grace and we ask that you would just anoint this congregation with ears that could hear. Lord, that you would anoint them, Lord, with understanding that they would know the way of the Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would remove all forces of darkness and evil that would try to come and crowd out the message that you have. Lord, speak to our heart today. Take away the distractions and just help us, Father, to sense that presence that we so long to experience. And Lord, may we be a little closer to you today is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you guys are praying and looking forward to our fall series. It's going to be here in no time at all, right? And this is an opportunity for us to come together as a church and to witness to the community and also to ourselves. Sometimes we forget that we need these messages, we need these reminders as much, if not more, than the community does. And so don't be thinking, I've heard this before. Throw all those arguments the devil wants to throw in your mind away and come and hear God's word afresh and new and get re-inspired with what God is about to do because you're living in very special times. We also have a children's program that's going to be going on simultaneously with this series where the kids at a kid's level are going to be also hearing the messages each and every night. And so please invite your neighbors, invite your friends, invite your co-workers, even invite your enemies and ask them to come and hear God's word because Jesus is coming. It's very soon. All right. So thank you, Denzel, for the beautiful reading of God's word. We appreciate when the kids come up here. Thank you guys for agreeing to help uh, Jonathan and uh, Diana to raise little baby Eric. And thank you all for singing such beautiful songs up here. We just are excited that God's Spirit is being poured out. And all you that are visiting here for the first time, we just want to welcome you and let you know that this is a place that we come to worship God. And in order to do that, we have to lift up one book above all other books. And that book is the? It's the Bible, right? And if it's not in the Bible, we don't want it. That's what we were saying at the last series, right? We need to be prepared for that again for our upcoming series because, guys, we only want what's in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. But sometimes we don't really understand what we want or what God wants, I guess would be the better way of putting that. Sometimes we don't actually believe what the Word of God says, because that's why it says in Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? And so I'm going to share with you something that might be a little alarming today. But you should all know, you live in a city that is set for destruction. Every single one of you, unless you flee, will die. And I want us to understand this in light of Revelation 18, verse 1. We're going to read these verses again. Revelation 18 and verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, it's the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 18. And who knows what Revelation is about? 
It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what does revelation mean? It's the revealing. And so we want to know Jesus better. We better get to know revelation. Amen? So Revelation 18 and verse 1, it says, And after these things, I saw another angel coming down from where? From heaven, having what? Great power and authority. Who was given great power and authority? What's that? Jesus was actually given great power and authority, wasn't he? Before he went to heaven, it was said, Go ye into all, or, go ye into all nations and tongues and, and to baptize them and to teach them, right? For all authority has been given unto me, right? And so I just want you to understand this is Jesus' message that is coming down in a book about revealing Jesus. All right? So he's coming down with great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. That same glory that was shown to us where? On the cross. And the cross tells us, even though we don't want to believe the report according to Isaiah 53, the cross tells us that we're not good people. Are you following? So this angel comes down and he cries mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a living place or a dwelling place of what? Of demons and a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? Well, we need to understand what it means when it says Babylon. Oftentimes, we just go to what we've been taught in prophecy series, and we don't realize that in a prophecy series, we're only able to share you a little nugget of the piece. We're not able to give you all the context and all the things. And so because we only have a short period of time, sometimes we have done a dangerous thing in our evangelistic series, and we've caused ourselves to feel comfortable thinking that this was a message about another church only. But what I want you to understand without any question today is that you have been confused. In fact, Babylon itself is confusion, confusion. And God is not the author of confusion, right? And so he says that before he comes, the church would be sleeping, or in other words, they would be in a confused state of mind, and that they would need to be awoken to realize the message that God has for his last day church so they can be ready when he comes. Amen? So we're going to look at this from a little different angle today. It doesn't take away anything from what you understand in our prophecy series, but I'm hoping to go a little deeper. Amen? It says in verse 3, For how many of the nations have drunk? All the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. I want to remind you that God's people in the Old Testament, because of their sins, were led into captivity to Babylon by a king called Nebuchadnezzar. You guys remember the story, right? And they went into the place, and many of the prophets in the church of the day was trying to encourage the people and say, you know what, God's going to break this yoke. He's going to take us back home. We're not going to be here long. Let's just turn to the Lord. And the message was, no, that is not the message of the Lord. 
you are going to go and live in Babylon, and you're going to pray for Babylon. And as Babylon prospers, so shall you prosper. Have children and, and do all these things. You guys remember the message, right, from the Lord? And the people were scratching their head going, what? In the days of Jesus, the people were looking, and they were saying, hey, the, the Savior is going to come soon, and he's going to deliver us from the Romans. And Jesus was scratching his head going, what? No, you're going to deliver me to the Romans. Oftentimes, the church gets it wrong. They're looking for something, and they're expecting something, and they become so obstinate in what they think they believe that when the truth is standing before them, they refuse it. In fact, they don't just refuse it, they crucify it. And so... We have to ask the question then. And the question comes out of Romans chapter 3, verse 19. I mean, verse 9, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, turn. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. I want you to see it for yourself. Romans chapter 3 and verse 9. If you guys want to catch the slides up. Romans chapter 3 and verse 9 says this. It says, what then... Are we better than they? Now you have to ask that question to yourself. Who is the they? What's that? Okay, I hear Jews. Anybody else the they? Gentiles. Okay. What if we, Donovan, as you mentioned before, what if we were to put it in our day in context? Who would the they be? What's that? Non-Adventist. That's right. Are we better than the non-Adventist? And the answer to that is not at all. I don't want anybody to be confused. And Babylon has fallen. It's fallen. The confusion needs to be wiped away. We are absolutely no better than anybody else. In fact, when I hear at times people say things like, oh my, I cannot believe that God did this with this individual because you know what they've done. Or if someone says, I can't believe that that person was up in the front. Do you follow what I'm saying? Because what's being stated in between the lines is, is that I'm better than them. Are you following? But that's Babylon. If you remember, before Nebuchadnezzar was humbled, he was going out and he said, Ah, this great kingdom that I have established, right? That's Babylon. The idea of Babylon, the idea of Satan's kingdom, is that we are better than someone else. The kingdom of God is the reversal of that Jesus left heaven He left all the goodness, and he humbled himself, and he made himself lower than a servant. He became a man. He humbled himself to the point even of death, and then he said, let this mind be in you, even as was in Christ Jesus. We should prefer one another above ourselves. So if we're going to be ready for this fall evangelistic series, if Babylon is going to fall, we need to understand that we're not any better than any of these people that are coming. Are you following? 
In fact, not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews, both Seventh-day Adventists and the Gentiles, all the other churches, right? Or wherever you want to put that, that they are all under one problem. And it's the same problem that we all have. The only difference is some of us show it more than others. But we all have the same problem, and that problem is what? It's sin. S-I. Remember the I there. I-N. The middle of sin is I. The middle of pride is I. The middle of Lucifer is I. You see, there's an eye problem. The church has become blinded to self, blinded to the fact that it is my sin that is more grievous than my brother's sin. And until we get that picture, guys, I want you to understand, when you invite somebody to the series, you're inviting them because you need to be at the series. And they're there to help you to draw closer to God. Are you following Sometimes we get the wrong idea and we're thinking, oh, I'm going to give them all this literature to show them how their church is wrong and how this is wrong and all this other stuff. And and that's not even the reason why we do the series. We do the series because there's a God that wants to illuminate his truth and to show his character. And his character is not, I'm better than you. His character is no matter how bad it is, I'm going to get down there in that dirt with you. Guys, you need to understand something very plainly. We live in a city that is set for destruction. This earth is about to be destroyed. And every one of us will go down in flames with it unless we have Jesus standing with us. And if Jesus is standing with us, it's not because we don't have a sin problem or we've overcome in a special way than others. It's not that. It's that we have recognized our sin and our selfishness so well that we no longer live in it. And so I can't boast because it's only Christ who lives in me. It's no longer me. So there's no way I could look at it. It, it. The moment I start to say, oh, I'm better, I've gone back and revived the flesh. And now my righteousness is gone. And so as long as I recognize how wretched of a man I am, I am then fit to witness to someone else because I can show them, don't look at me, I'm a wretched man, but look at Jesus. There is no goodness whatsoever that is naturally in us at all. In fact, we don't have to guess. We could just continue to read in Romans. Let's see, are we there? Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, as it is written, there is how many? I know we're a confused people. I know Babylon is still around because sometimes I'm not convinced you believe that report. It says there's none. I don't know how else to make it plain, but none is none. Zero is zero. You cannot add anything or multiply anything to make it a higher number, can you? It's just going to be zero. There is none righteous. No, just to make it clear, not one. In fact, there's not even any of us that understand We were talking in the youth Sabbath school. I'm so glad because their lesson was right on this same train of 
thought we were talking about the fall and, and all this stuff. And, and we got into the pre before the fall and we were talking about Lucifer in heaven and how he was subtle and cunning and, and how he led a third of the angels. These people, their minds are so much greater than ours and yet they were deceived. And we think that we could understand There's no one who understands. If we were to be in the room with the serpent of old, the devil, we would be outwitted, we would be undone, we would be defeated. It is only Christ and his wisdom. It is only Christ and his way. It is only Christ and his mindset that we can overcome. And he told us the formula. It's I got to go down. Are you understanding? The formula of Babylon is I go up. The formula of God is, I go down. I go down. I just want to make sure there's no confusion. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Understand this. God is not so concerned. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'll clarify it. But he's not so concerned with outside of the church. He wants to save the whole world. Don't get me wrong. But his message was directly written to the church to be a light to draw the world in. And so when he's speaking to us, he's speaking to the church. And I'm going to demonstrate that when I get to the end. He's saying the church is confused and it's fallen. It's fallen. It's become like the world. It's no longer a light. It says that they have all turned aside. They have Together become what? Unprofitable. Guys, if you think the series success is based on how many individuals we baptize from the community, we have become unprofitable. Because here's the thing, God wants to save you. And the biggest evidence of whether an evangelistic series is successful or not is if the church comes out. When the church comes out, there's always people from the community that God will trust and bring in because then God says, hey, they get it. They need this message. The problem is oftentimes God comes and looks down upon the earth and upon his church and he says, they've been praying for this series. They invested thousands of dollars and all this stuff and, and, and only five people showed up to the meeting. And, and, and he's looking and he's saying, do they not even know? Do they not even know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is coming tonight? Do they not even know that this is an opportunity where we are joining in with the angels that excel in strength that are here giving a message across the world before the coming destruction that people are going to die? How many of you guys, if you were in a building and... uh, you heard that there was some planes coming. If you'd be like, it's okay, I'm all right. I've heard that message before. I saw hit some other buildings. What do I need to come to the meeting for? Why do I need to go outside? It's not a big deal. Are you just going to stay there in your office and wait? How many of you guys are going to be that family that, you know, the, the, the fires are coming? And you're like, oh, I'm not leaving. I got too much stuff here. I'm not getting out. I'll just let all the neighbors know that they should probably leave. 
Guys, it's ridiculous. I want you to understand, you're going to die. This city is going to be destroyed. Everything's going to burn. Everything's going to be destroyed. We live in the city of destruction. And we are a people that are set aside for destruction because we have joined the resistance. We have joined the enemy, the devil. And we say we haven't because we come to church, but oftentimes we come to church and all we do is think we're better than somebody else. But it says in here, in God's word, there's not one who does good, no, not even one. That includes me. I'm not a good pastor. It takes a whole lot of pressure off me to say that. I'm not. You know how many people don't invite me to certain things because they're like, oh, he might judge me. I'm not there to judge any of you. I have likes and passions. I jump out of trees and airplanes and all sorts of stuff, you know? I'm not there to judge you. I've got my own problems. There's plenty you could be, I I could be feeling the same way about you. Oh man, they're going to think this is a pastor. Guys, we're a family. I'm not any better than you, and you're no better than me. The only thing I'm better at you than, than you are than me is I'm a better sinner. And I'm not proud of that, but because of my position, I'm probably held a little bit higher responsible than you are. And so don't envy me. Pray for me. Verse 13 says that our throat is an open tomb. With our tongues, we have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under our lips whose mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Our feet are quick to shed blood. And you might go, what what are you talking about? Jesus says if we don't love our brother as ourself, we've committed murder. That means if I like myself more than I like someone else, I've murdered. I've shed blood. That I've taught a message that isn't from heaven that I've taught a message that helped to promote the kingdom of Satan and Babylon and confusion. And people, when they came to the church to hear the message of Jesus, all they saw were people that were better than themselves and they were disappointed and went home. You see, destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. What does that mean? There is no fear of God before their eyes. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, right? And wisdom. The fear of God is something that we experience when we get to know how good he is, even though I'm so bad. Like as I look to Jesus and I see him hanging there because of my sin and I realize that I should be the one there, it's really hard for me to complain and to be miserable about what I have or don't have. It's hard for me to be envious of other people because how could I be envious of someone else when I am of such disrepute and I am such a wretched man that Jesus had to take my sin and die such a horrible death? How can I think I'm better than someone else? 
unless I'm not looking at the cross. Maybe I'm looking at another tree. You know, there was another tree. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as you. Doesn't that sound a lot like good and evil? I'm just a little bad. But you're real bad. So I could be in the front, but you can't. I could pray, but you can't. Are you following? According to my Bible, and I don't know what version you have, but I I think no matter what version you read it in, it says the same thing. Romans 3.23 says, For some people have sinned. Are you guys awake? How many? All. That means you? You online? Me? And what is the consequence of sin? It's death. So does it really matter how much sin you've done? I mean, if I read it right, this whole thing started by eating an apple or whatever fruit it was. We don't know exactly, right? But it was a piece of fruit. How do you compare to that? Just take a bite out of it and think about it for a minute. Digest that. Next time you think that you're better than someone. I think Adam and Eve have a case, right? Like, you know, come on. Like, what did they do compared to you? Compared to me? I think we would be a lot different if we had a TV screen that was above our head that was always playing what we didn't want people to see. I don't think we would look at people the same way. Would we like, could you imagine if it was just on autoplay? Like you couldn't do anything about it. It was just above your head and like you're walking around and you're like, hey, you, oh, don't look over here. (laughs) Would anybody point at anybody? No, I think what we'd be doing is we'd all be covering our faces. And now you understand what it means that we are to be shame-faced. Now you understand Daniel's prayer when he said that we, to us, belongs confusion of face. And, and, and we have sinned before you, O God. And we don't deserve your deliverance. Why? Because Daniel knew that even though you can find nothing in the scriptures to seem to condemn Daniel, Daniel knew what was playing on his TV screen. Are you following? And the problem is that we forget it's almost like we think, oh, that's the old episodes, right? Like, I'm now on the new season of my life, and that was the old episodes, so now that's all gone, and I'm this new, awesome superhero character, and you're not? No, it's still you. It's still you. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us. Hebrews tells us it to it this way. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, For if the words spoken through angels prove steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape? That's the question we really need to be asking. How shall we escape? We're living in the city of destruction. We're living in a 
city doomed to die. And that city, my friends, is you and me. It's not outside that the problem is. The city is right here. Babylon confusion is right here within me. I can't even understand my heart, the Bible says. My own heart is so deceitful that I don't even know. I mean, if you go to the prisons and you try to find a bad person, I challenge you to find someone bad in the prisons. You think you'd find lots of them. But they were all framed or they were all just caught in the wrong place. It's not really who they are. You understand? Because we all have a problem. It's called Babylon. And until it falls within us, until we actually believe the word that's said, not the, you know, we like to talk about Jesus loves me and all this stuff. And great, yes, he does. But sometimes we forget to believe what Jesus says because he loves you. Do you know that Jesus says that every one of us are liars? I don't like to be called a liar. Nope. But it's true. The report is true. I'm not good. If I was good, you could follow me. If I was good, I wouldn't need a Savior. If I had goodness in me, I would not need to point you to the cross. I could say, come and follow me. But you'd be really miserable. And I might trick you for a day, but after that you'd be like, no, this isn't, this isn't it. Are you following? And you could take Vernon, our, our head elder, the, the, the man that we've chosen because he can train his children in the way of the Lord. And we've chosen our elders as, as examples and exemplaries to the rest of the church, but I could guarantee you that Vernon is going to disappoint you. He's going to disappoint you. I mean, you look for a spouse, right? And you think you found the perfect person. But I can guarantee you, they're going to disappoint you. Because we all have a problem. It's called sin. And sin does not go away because you were baptized. Sin does not go away because you come to church and pay tithe and offering. Sin only goes away when you believe in Jesus and you believe his report, which is you're a sinner. And so the only solution is the sinner has to die. Some of you have been confused and you thought that Jesus died so you don't have to. No, Jesus died so that you could live again but you still have to die. If that was not true, Jesus would not have said, take up your cross and follow me. Last I checked, crosses were to die on. That's why nobody wants to go that way. That's why the path is wide that doesn't have crosses on it. Are you following? I don't want us to be confused. You have to die. And every time you think you're better than somebody is an evidence that you haven't died yet. We had an inspired lady. Her name was Ellen G. White. She says that some of us are carrying our old man, strangling him by the neck, but just not letting him die completely. 
That's a torturesome way to live. You gotta kill it. And the only way you kill it is by believing what is said, even when it's ugly. Even though you don't like to see it, you gotta believe that you're bad. It's the only way you'll believe he's good. And once you believe that you're bad, then you're not going to trust yourself anymore. It's pretty basic, really. Like, if you think there's still something good in you, then you still have reason to not ask God for help. Because you've got to try that good stuff first. And then if you run out of that, then you'll come to Jesus, right? That's why him who sins much, or who's been forgiven much, loves much. Yeah, it's just, we all sin pretty much the same. I mean, we have different ways of doing it. But guess what, guys? It all, it all results in the same process. We're going to die. Um, so you can either do this. You can either die to self now, or you can die to self for eternity. But here's the cool news with God, is that when you die, a better you emerges. And you've got to trust them, though. It's scary. It is really scary. But, my friends, we can't escape. When Jesus saw the Pharisees in Matthew 3, verse 7, he said, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming, this is when he saw the church showing up. This is what he wanted to say to them. He said to them, you brood of vipers. This is Jesus in all his class and all his wisdom. He looked at the church. And he said, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And I, and I can answer that question today. You know who warned him? The Holy Spirit. Jesus warned them. The warning's been going on for a long time. The message has been the same. God did not want the Pharisee or the Sadducee or anybody to be lost. What he's simply saying is, you still think you're better. Who indeed warned you? Why are you here? If you're here to be baptized, then that's an evidence that you're no better than anybody else. What are you doing right now? Who warned you? Because here's the problem. They were still coming with a snake. They still had a little bit of that devil with them, right? He's subtle. Like, hey, I'll be here with Jesus. I'll show up in church, but I'm just going to bring my snake with me. He won't bother anybody. He's tamed. He keeps the Sabbath. He pays his tithe. He's good looking. He even, look, he makes a nice tie. I know I'm not wearing one. I left my snake at home today. No, I'm just kidding. The ties are not snakes. But you understand, right? Who has warned you? What is the response to be? Acts 2 verse 7 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut where? To the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And he said, Come to the fall evangelism series. (laughs) <laughs> he said, help out of the children's program. He said, invite some people, right? What did he say to do? This is what he said. He said, enter by the what? The narrow gate. Why? 
For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to where? It leads to your home. It leads to your church. It leads to wherever you find yourself going when you're not going with Jesus. But there's this narrow, narrow path. And it's easy to see the path because there's blood stains on that path. It's really hard to miss because you really can only take one thing with you. And it's, it's very heavy, it's obnoxious, and it kind of puts splinters in your back. It's called a cross. And every time you start to think that you're somebody, it reminds you that you're about to be nailed. And as you take up that cross and you trudge forward, knowing that your time is short, your only message is there's a cross for you too. And you might think that's a horrid message. It only is horrid if you're living in this world. It's only horrid if you are an impatient person and you think that your reward is now. But if you understand that Jesus conquered the cross and that all who follow after him will also rise and that in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the dead in Christ shall rise. Those who have laid aside, those who have said to the devil, I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid not to. I'm afraid to live anymore like this because it's hurting me. It's hurting others. And I want to put an end to this misery so that I can finally live the way I was meant to live. Because guys, here's the whole issue. It's a trust issue. You're thinking if you die. The devil is whispering in your ear that if you die, that's because God doesn't like you, because he wants to take something from you, because you're not good enough, and that's not it at all. What God is saying is you've got a problem, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you to sleep temporarily so that when you wake up, I'm going to take all that cancer and bad stuff out. But you're still there. You understand? Do you trust Jesus? Will you find that gate? You need the word of God, don't you? It's a dark, dark world. I mean, I don't know about you, but I I, I can't really see the way to crucify the old man. It seems so difficult because every time I try to, to, to pin him, he adapts. Like, It could be crystal clear that I am just being really selfish, but when I try to to grab that selfishness, it looks like righteousness. It's a really crafty thing. When I'm really, really feeling like I don't want to forgive someone, all of a sudden I try to put my finger on it, and it's got some sort of love of God that comes out like it, it it's it's the honor of God that I'm trying to to keep here you know how that I mean it's just crazy I don't know about you guys but it's like it's this thing so the only way the only way that I could see clearly is thy word 
thy word. So when I get up in the morning, I'm not reading my devotions so that God can accept me. I'm not reading my devotions so that I can earn enough merit to get into heaven, you know, or like, you know, if I don't get on today, oh, my day's going to be horrible because I believe in superstition. So my day's going to be worse if I don't do it. I mean, we say all sorts of things, and there's some truth to it. Don't get me wrong, because putting on God's armor, you're always going to be better. But just understand the, the main point here. Don't be confused. The only real reason to read the Bible is so that you can know how to die. It's an owner's manual on how to die. It tells you exactly how to do it. It sheds light on the cross, and it says, here's how you do it. You need to go out today and do something different than you normally would do. You need to show love to people. That kind of kills. It's all about Josh world. Right? You need to go out today, and you need to have compassion on people, right? Isn't that what we've been learning in our small group? If you're not in a small group, you're going to be in real big trouble. Not from us, but you understand, guys, we need to be gathering together so that we don't bend the knee to Baal. Right? We need those groups gathering. When you're in a group and you have accountability, it's also another way that you die. Because now, all of a sudden, I, I, I've got a reason to get up in the morning, or I got a reason to go do this, right, because I need to be there for that group. That group is going to help me because I'm such a sinner. There's all sorts of things that happen, right, but when you have groups and you have people. But thy word is a lamp unto my path. It's to help me see the blood of Jesus and to remember that my Savior went before me. For joy, he endured the cross. And now he sits at the right hand of God and he's saying that all those who follow me will one day sit beside me. Verse 19 of 2 Peter chapter 1 says, So we have the prophetic word confirmed. Amen? Who has believed the report? Are you believers today? Do you believe that you're only a little sinful? But you're still good. You know a good, a good test for that? You guys all like tests. I know. Everybody loves tests in school. So the, the best way you test that is you sit there and you see, how many complaints do I have today? And that tells you how much you believe. Because every time we complain, we're saying that we think we deserve better. This doesn't mean we should live a miserable life. No, not at all. It's so freeing when you finally believe what God says. Because now you don't have to prove you're good to anybody. Now you no longer have to hide and and get rid of all the stuff when the pastor shows up that really is there normally. You don't have to all of a sudden start talking different than you normally talk. You know how many people come up to me and they they find my pastor, oh, I'm so sorry for all the cussing words I just said. Well, but what does that mean? You're going to start cussing the second I walk away. Might as well just keep cussing. Like what? Seriously? Do you believe? If you believe, then that cross is yours. That death is your death. 
And the life that he now lives is yours. No one goes to heaven because they're better than someone else. The ones that go to heaven simply believe they weren't. It's completely the opposite to what you've been told. The ones that go to heaven are the ones that didn't think they could get in. But they knew someone at the gate. And the one at the gate let them in. Because he knew them. He knew they weren't lying anymore. They weren't covering anything up. They weren't putting on their special face. They weren't hiding things when he came over. You know, Adam and Eve, that's what they did. That's a sign of sin. You know that, right? When you hide stuff. Guys, if we all took a, if everybody said, oh, today we're randomly going to your house today. Are you going to be excited? We're just going to take a tour. <laughs> we're going to look at your drawers, and we're going to look at your, your, your movie cabinet, and we're going to look at your Netflix list before you hit the delete a history on there. You know what I'm saying? We're going to check your, your music list before you went in there and cleaned it up, right? How many of you guys are inviting me over? Hey, great. I'm glad to see a few heads go up. I'm not coming over to do any of that, guys. The Word of God is what's there to illuminate. It's the prophetic Word confirmed. It's there to cause hope in your heart. Because as you begin to realize that you're in the city of destruction and that you're going to die, a burden starts coming on your back. There's a good book called Pilgrim's Progress. And that burden's going to grow bigger and bigger the more you read this book. And you're going to be overwhelmed with this burden. There's going to be people that tell you, well, just keep the Sabbath and the burden will come off and the burden just gets bigger. My friends, the burden only comes off when you finally see Jesus on the cross and you realize that Jesus paved the way. You know where you're going and you're no longer afraid because you know if Jesus did it, And that he's not going to ever leave you or forsake you. You know you can make it. You can make it because the celestial city, the the beautiful heavenly courts await you. Because you hear his voice that he said on that cross, I forgive you. You didn't know what you were doing. And so the message is, my friend, that we need to flee and escape for our lives. Genesis 19, verse 17 says, So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, escape for what? It's urgent that you come. It's urgent that you pray. It's urgent that you invite someone. Because that's how we escape. Do not look behind you. Do not stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains. The mountains are where God is. Jesus died on a mountain. Jesus visited his people and gave his law on a mountain. Jesus is coming again to split open a mountain. You want to be in the mountains, my friends. You want to head for the mountains, not because you're going up, not because you're better, 
But when you get there, you'll see that there's lightning and, and, and that there's this holiness and this awesomeness at the mountain of God. That you're going to recognize that Jesus is your only hope. And that's why, my friends, our scripture reading ends this way. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having what? Great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. In fact, that glory that he illuminated the earth with is so incredibly strange. If you read in the book of Revelation, you see the kings and you see the freemen and the bondmen and they just start to scream and they go, ah, hide us from the face of the lamb that was slain. What? Why are they so afraid? They're afraid because they didn't accept the lamb while he called them. And now they have to be their own lambs. Now judgment has come. And they've got to stand as their own trial attorney. And the case against this all is solid. So I don't know about you, but I've got an attorney. Man, he costs a lot. He's the best attorney. He's never lost a case. His name is Jesus. I had to give everything for him. But he didn't charge me a dime. He's got me covered. And he told me something before I left his office. He gave me a card and he said, if you know anybody else, I'll give him the same deal. That's all you got to remember. You can either stand on your own or you can stand with him. For all the nations, all of us have drunk, but I want to get to the main point here. Is we, there's another voice, and this is the voice I want you all to hear today before you leave. This is our closing. This is our appeal. This is everything. You live in the city of destruction. You're not better than anybody else. Are we clear on that? Has Babylon fallen in your mind? Or is Babylon still a great city? Is there still some things, some merchandise that you want left in there? You know, the, the little self-righteousness they sell or the little token of, I've been a member this long, I deserve to be this, I deserve to have that. I, I, I deserve some more respect here because of all that I've done, all that I've sacrificed. I'm a really good person if others would just be as good as me. Are, are you guys holding on to some of that Babylon? Or has it fallen today? Then hear this voice. Another voice came from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. I told you he was talking to the church, but I just didn't want you to believe me because whatever. But usually when you say, come out of her, my people, it's because God's people are usually the church. Verdon, you said we had the left eye, the left ear. I was the left arm. And then there was the left elbow, so I guess, am I in control of the elbow too? <laughs> but anyways, you had the left elbow arm, we had the left leg, the foot, but we're missing some of the body, right? Come out of her, my people. What would keep you in Babylon? 
Is there something she sells that's worth your salvation? Is there something that is alluring to you? Do you enjoy waking up day after day struggling with what you're going to do? Struggling with past regrets and maybe failures and disappointments? Struggling with how people view you? How the church members think? How you're going to prove you're a better person, a better husband, a better wife, a better kid, a better teacher? Because that's all Babylon has for you is disappointments, struggles, feeling like you're not good enough, feeling like you're not going to attain enough. But I want to tell you today, there's a voice calling to you saying, come out. But it's scary to come out. You know, we live in a day and time where people are coming out for the wrong reasons. They're coming out to tell you that they're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. They're coming out to tell you they're confused. They don't even know what they are anymore. We've come up with so many different titles and descriptions, all to say that we're confused. We're confused. But guys, if they can be brave enough to come out and say, I am this, can you come out today and say, I'm a sinner? I'm no better than you, but I've got a good attorney. And he can get you out of this mess. And if you want his number, it's really easy. It's called B-I-B-L-E. Anytime you need, you just open the pages. And all you have to do is say J-E-S-U-S-H-E-L-P-N-O-W. Jesus, help now. And he's always there. He'll never let you down. Or you can choose to accept all the plagues that are coming. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to. I, I mean, I'm sick of this COVID thing. It's a plague to me. But it's nothing yet compared to what's coming. So, guys, what's your choice? I've got good news for you. Those that come out of Babylon, those that are God's children, that are his people, they don't suffer any of the plagues. Because the Bible, the book of Revelation says there's only the seven last plagues. Only the first three plagues affected the people of God. But guys, I don't want you to make your choice because you're afraid of plagues. Then you're still living to self. That's still fear. Are you ready to die with me? There's other religions out there that have people that will do suicide bombings. You know what I'm saying? We just heard of one of those horrible events. I'm not asking you to be a suicide bomber. Not in that way. But you should be willing to die every time you invite somebody that you go, oh, I can't invite them because what if they say no? Die. Die today and invite them anyways. Know that time is short. Know that it's urgent. Die. Be willing to die and say, I don't feel like doing this, 
but that's okay because Jesus didn't feel like going on that cross. And every time I look at him and I recognize that, I now no longer live. And when somebody comes to me and they say, oh, wow, you did such a great job. I, you know, you probably just said that because you're a pastor. I could rightfully say to each and every one of you, no, I am no better than any of you. And you could say the same thing to anybody that says it to you. I didn't do it because I'm good. I did it because Christ did it through me despite my wretchedness. Because I wouldn't have cared. But Christ made me care. And the life that I now live, I live in Christ Jesus. Are you guys ready to die with me today? If you are, we have a closing hymn of meditation. I just want, as that song is going, what's the name of this song?